Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are getting you ready for the start of fall camp. The Tar Heels getting their 2022 fall practice underway starting tomorrow morning on Friday. So we're here to take you through what you should expect. Uh, We're going to talk to you a little bit about some of the important battles that Carolina will be uh, trying to sort out throughout fall camp. And we'll also tell you a couple of players to watch. I'll give you a few names. Uh, I'm also writing an article. So I'll give you a couple of names off that list and then encourage you guys to go and check out the article for a more uh, extensive list of the guys that you should be keeping an eye on here with fall camp opening. And of course, with the team hosting an event on Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. where you can come out and watch the team go through practice. I am going to be riding solo on this edition of the podcast, but uh, I will, uh, of course, be telling you a little bit about some of the upcoming commitments that Carolina uh, will be facing with some of their targets in the class, one in particular that we will be keeping an eye on on Saturday. So all that on this edition of the podcast. But as I mentioned, uh, riding solo here tonight, there's a bunch going on. Uh, you got NFL training camps that are underway. So right now, at work, a little bit swamped. So it is just going to be me for this edition of the podcast. But don't worry, you're in good hands and I'm ready to get you guys excited for uh, the, the start of fall camp. I mean, you look, we've uh, let you hear from some uh, of the guys uh, you know, that do the, the predictions so far. Uh, we've heard from Joe Broback. Uh, we're going to get to Phil Steele, and we've also got Brett Ciencia, who's going to come on with us. But the more and more that you know, we start to get closer to this season, you're starting to get the vibe that this is a team that a lot of people are thinking might be able to handle this season a little bit better than a year ago. And look, that doesn't mean that this is a squad that's going to be as good as we expected them to be a year ago this year. 
But I think there are some people that do believe that this squad, where teams are kind, of, you know, people are kind of all over the place um, on, and, and including some people thinking that this is a team that might not even make a bowl game this year. I think there is starting to become this notion that this Tar Heel team could be a team that sneaks up on some people that could win eight, nine, maybe even ten games if enough things broke the right way. But mainly that this is a team that could factor into the race in the ACC Coastal. And look, the you know Coastal the the, the preseason predictions were released earlier this week. Of course, you did have the All ACC teams. That were released yesterday. Carolina did get Josh Downs uh, on that preseason All ACC squad, uh, and, and you know overall, you know this is a roster that's not quite amongst the most talented, probably in in, in terms of those those preseason uh, accolades as some of the other ones in the ACC. But this is a roster that I think a lot of people think could take the next step this year and a lot of that is due to the fact that of course they are bringing in Gene Chizik but I think you know this is going to be a roster that's going to see more pieces that have overall maturity than a year ago and I think the biggest thing that Carolina you know that that's going to be different for Carolina is that defense and you're looking at some of the guys that are going to factor in there that's an extremely promising group but it's a more veteran group that Carolina is going to be rolling out there so there was there are reasons to be confident and as we've gotten closer and closer to the season, like I mentioned, that hype has been picking up and it was reflected in the preseason polls. Carolina ends up in third, according to those preseason polls, behind Miami, behind Pittsburgh. Not shocking, but the margins were a little bit shocking. Carolina really only a little more than 200 points officially behind Miami, who was predicted to win the conference, and they did receive 18 first place votes. So, a lot more people than we probably realized feeling the Tar Heels this year. Uh, you know, th- this this could be their bounce back year. And just from being at ACC Media Days, you know, I haven't really talked to you guys since then. But one of the big things that I took away from being out there at ACC Media Days. And maybe this is just somebody that's wanting to buy in and, and, and wanting this team to be good after what we went through a year ago. But hearing some of these guys talk, primarily hearing Josh Downs talk to my radio station that I work for, I, I thought there is there there really is a heightened sense of urgency with this team. There is extra motivation for this team. And you could feel that from him and really all the guys throughout the day. I I believe this team when they say that there is a chip on their shoulder. And look, Mac Brown has talked about it multiple times. He feels like the effort in this spring camp was a a lot different than a year ago. And look, the thing that, you know, we we wish we would have heard last year and you understand why Mac Brown didn't come out and just say that he wasn't feeling that this team was in the right place a year ago. Um, We wish we would have gotten a more honest assessment of where that team was at a year ago. And that's part of the reason why you should probably take what he says this year with a grain of salt. But I feel like he has stressed that so much throughout the press conferences. He's talked about how there are certain units on this team that he likes a lot better than he did a year ago. So I, I think there there is reason to be excited if you are a Tario fan, and there's reasons to think that this team can take a major step uh, this year after a major step backwards 
last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll, it all starts on Friday, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this team. Now, of course, when we talk about the biggest battles in camp, and we're going to talk to you about some of the ones that are the most important here, I think the first one that you have to start out with is, of course, the quarterback position. That's the group that everybody is going to be focused on. You know, there there are some people, there, there were some rumors uh, about a week ago now where people were saying that Connor Harrell was potentially still in the quarterback race. Anytime that I've heard this quarterback race talked about, I have heard Jacoby Criswell and Drake May pretty much mentioned exclusively. So maybe the true freshman is still hanging around. I think at this point, you have to just assume that this is really down to a two-man race. And I don't I, I think that's that's a positive. I think if they were going in with three quarterbacks still in the running, it would certainly be a concern. But I, I think outside of that, there's really not much separation. And you know, that one of the other driving themes of Media Day was people asking about this quarterback battle. And Mac Brown talked about it. He talked about Major Applewhite, Chris Sims, and he talked about a story that offseason um, that, you know, sort of, he sort of had, had rendered with him and, um, you know, kind of allowed him to go with the thought of playing two quarterbacks. And that was the fact that he was apparently fishing, caught two fish, and thought in his mind two is better than one. And that's a theme that we've heard multiple times throughout the summer, is that if there is not enough separation here, they will play two quarterbacks. And as of right now, that is the plan until they start to see that separation. So I think a lot of Tar Heel fans are starting to come to the conclusion that there is a chance that when they open the season in Week 0 against Florida A&M, and even when they travel up to Boone to play App State, that this will be a team that will play two quarterbacks. And again, I've told you on here, I told you a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it, that I am certainly concerned. I think this team needs to have their starting quarterback in time for that Week 1 matchup, their second game of the season, on the road at App State, but I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Now, again, it, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight. Um, I think both guys, you know, from what we heard, showed really good things in the spring. If you go back to the spring game, I thought Jacoby Criswell was the better of the two quarterbacks, and I thought it was pretty clear that he was the better of the two quarterbacks. Um, you know, I wrote an article, and you guys can go and check it out on the website where I broke down some of the camp battles, uh, and I, I gave you a prediction on who I thought would win those camp battles. And for this one, the other ones that we talk about here, I'm not really going to go that in-depth on it. I'll let you head over and read the article. But for this one, I do want to bring this up because I do want to kind of explain one of the points that I made in that article at the end that I think needs a little more explaining. And that is the fact that, to me, as of right now, if they had to go with one of the quarterbacks, I think it would be Jacoby Criswell. I get the sense that Jacoby Criswell is a guy that is very similar to Marquise Williams. I think if you look at the overall talent of the two players, very similar to Marquise Williams and and Mitch Trubisky, I think that Drake May is the more talented overall player of the two. But I think for this offense this year and for this team to take the steps that they need to, 
Jacoby Criswell might be the best fit. I also think he fits Phil Longo's offense about as perfectly as you can. Remember that coming out of high school, they do the pro comparisons or or, or really just the player comparisons on 24-7 sports website. The player comparison for Jacoby Criswell was Sam Howell. And I think that Carolina is still looking to run a similar type of offense to the one that they have run over the past couple of years. And look, one of the big elements of last year's offense was Carolina's ability to run the football with the quarterback. I don't think it's going to be as prevalent this year, no matter which quarterback is back there, because I think there was a time last year where this team simply could not run the ball with their running backs because of the way that they were blocking up front. And it pretty much forced the quarterback to be their main guy. Well, I don't think that will be the case this year. I still think that they want to have that running element in this offense. And they need a guy that can handle taking some of those hits. That's my biggest concern with Drake May. I know that he's added weight. And we've seen him on the run so far a couple of times late last year. And we saw it in the spring game. I just think that right now, the best fit for this offense with where they're at right now for them to have a chance to have the most success this season. Jacoby Criswell, to me, is that guy. And, you know, if, if you're questioning, you know, just the overall arm talent and everything like that, I go back to a quote uh, that we heard from, I believe it was Josh Downs, but it may have been one of the other receivers after the spring game that said, Jacoby Criswell has the strongest arm of any quarterback that I have ever seen. And that's saying a lot coming from, and I believe it was Josh Downs, having played with a guy in Sam Howe that is widely regarded as one of the strongest arms, the best deep ball throwers of the last couple of years uh, in college football, and a guy that, you know, is is widely regarded as the best quarterback in Carolina history. And really, if you look at the statistics in his three years, one of the best quarterbacks in ACC history. So for him to say that, I, I think that is extremely encouraging. And it should give it should give Tar fans, you know, some some justification that whichever quarterback this team goes with, they will be fine. I think the key is picking one of these two quarterbacks. Now, in terms of the other battles that we're watching, if you just look in the backfield, Carolina is still looking for some other group of guys to step up and take over those uh, second and third running back roles in this offense. British Brooks, we know, is going to be a major part of this unit this year. There's a reason why he took his extra year of eligibility due to COVID uh, and, and is coming back. He is going to start for this team. There is no questioning that. But they need to find that second and third guy that can have success running the football, that can be able to come in, and there won't be drop-off whenever Brooks does have to come out of the game. And there's a couple of interesting options that I think are going to get their shot to win the, the those snaps. I think first, the, the guy that is probably the most obvious is DJ Jones. He's the guy that's played the most of anybody in that backfield amongst that group of five that are going to be battling for those reps. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with him is is not 
about what he has done on the field. It's about staying on the field. He has struggled to stay on the field so far early in his career. He's been injury prone. If he can keep himself out there, I feel like he is going to be one of the two guys that will factor in here. I don't think there's any question about that, especially with his experience. Now, the other spot, that's the one that I think is more interesting because there's a few guys that could make some noise here. Remember, early last year, it looked like Caleb Hood was going to be the guy that was going to be the Tar Heels' number two running back behind Ty Chandler. That was, of course, before the breakout of British Brooks late in the season. He could be a factor here, but the problem for him has been very similar to what we just talked about with DJ Jones. It's been health. He got banged up again in the spring, wasn't really out there, did not play in the spring game, and it feels like that might have opened the door for some other guys to step up, primarily the guy that I thought had the best spring of that group of running backs behind British Brooks, which was Elijah Green. I thought he was outstanding in the spring game. And look, he's had time in the system now. The biggest concerns with him coming out of high school was one, that he wasn't able to catch the ball out of the backfield because of the type of offense that he played in and that he wasn't able to pass block because of that offense that he played in at the high school level. So I think both of those are areas that he has had time to iron out. I think if you look at what he brings to the table, he brings that pure speed element that really nobody else in that backfield can bring. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he can carry over what was a good finish to the spring into the start of fall camp. And if he does, he has a real chance to win one of those two rotational spots back there. And then, of course, there is true freshman, a guy that was an early enrollee, George Petaway. He was a guy that came in. A lot of people had high hopes for him in the spring. And, you know, there there were some good reviews, I think some up and down from him, which is expected as a true freshman in spring practice. Spring game, a little bit quiet for him, but the thing with him is the versatility. It's going to be extremely hard to ignore just how many different areas you can use this guy in. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And as we saw, if you watched the Under Armour All-American game that he played in uh, earlier this year, back in January... They used him a lot in the slot, and he was used there in high school as well. So that's something, that's a different element that you haven't really seen from a lot of other Tar Heel running backs. We've seen guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield, but not many guys can split out and play in the slot to give defenses a different look. So that's something Carolina has talked a lot about, giving some different looks to some of these defenses that they face this year. This is year four under Phil Longo, so... Uh, it's, it is going to be a little bit different for uh, the Tar Heels this year because teams probably are starting to pick up on some of the things that Phil Longo likes to go to most often. So getting creative is going to be important. And a guy like George Petaway could give you that versatility. Uh, you know, and, and then there's the, the other guy uh, that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but that I think is going to make some noise here at some point. And that's Amarian Hampton. If you just look at the pure ability that he has, I think there is a legitimate chance for this guy to factor in. Now, again, with him coming in as, as, as a summer enrollee, it's probably going to take a little bit of time. But he has the vibe of, of a guy that is very similar to what we saw from Javante Williams coming out of the high school level. He was a guy that was just dominant in the state of North Carolina. 
So he's he's worth keeping an eye on as well. But this position group is loaded. Somebody has to step up and emerge. Now you move to the other areas of off, of, of uh, the offensive side of the ball. And I think the other one that is really important to watch here is, of course, the battle along the offensive line. I think there's multiple battles going on, but I think primarily it's going to be on the right side of that offensive line. I feel pretty safe in saying, uh, look, Awesome Richards, Corey Gaynor, those are two guys that are no doubt going to start. I think Ed Montillas also fits that bill. He's probably going to slide in there at left guard. So that leaves right guard and right tackle as the spots that are still up for grabs. You bring in Spencer Rolland. That's a guy that comes over from Harvard. I think there's a good chance that he is going to make a push to start at right tackle. That was the spot that he started at at Harvard. Had a lot of success there. It feels like that's the reason that Carolina brought him in. But do not sleep on true freshman Zach Rice. We heard from Mac Brown first couple of days of spring camp. This is a guy that looks the part. And it's really, for in, in my mind, it's about him just settling in. How quickly can he pick up on that learning curve? Because he's got the size. He's got the overall talent. If he can pick it up quick enough, there is a chance that he could challenge for the starting job at right tackle. And I also think he has a legitimate chance to potentially challenge for that spot at right guard as well. It would be less, you know, a, a less steep curve. Um, it would, you know, demand a little bit less than right tackle demands. And that could be a very interesting area to start him out at and then potentially kick him out to right tackle once they feel comfortable or potentially even left tackle once they feel comfortable enough with what he brings to the table. But, you know, I I think you can't count out a guy in William Barnes. And there was an interesting quote that Mac Brown brought up. I think this was at Media Days where he said this. Uh, but some of these ones have blended together, some of the recent press conferences, where he said, look, this is William Barnes's time. And I think he's going to factor in somewhere. I think there's a good chance he's probably going to be your starter at right guard. But you never really know. This could be the guy that fits at tackle if they don't feel like Spencer Rolland is giving them enough there. Um, or, you know, if they feel like they want Zach Rice to be on the inside there, I think then you have a legitimate battle between Barnes and Rolland on the outside of tackle. So it's going to be important for William Barnes to really come out, put his best out there, uh, and, and, and show that he is ready to take that step forward. He is ready to take that senior leap. Uh, that Carolina has kind of been waiting for him. We'll see you know, whether or not he's a guy that is a starter or is once again one of those rotational guys. This time he would be that top rotational guy, so it would be a little bit of a different scenario. But I think that trio is going to be extremely intriguing to watch. And also, factoring in at that guard spot, that right guard spot, don't sleep on Brian Anderson either because it looks like Corey Gaynor is going to be the starter at center Brian Anderson came back for a reason as a graduate senior. He is not going to want to sit on the bench and just be that primary option and waiting if he is needed. He's going to want to push for reps. So don't sleep on him to potentially challenge for uh, that starting job at right guard. And you know the best part about this is, is all these guys that we've talked about, just right there, that's seven deep that Carolina can go along the offensive line. And I think that's about as good of a seven deep as you can feel, uh, you know, feel confident in for Carolina in a long time. 
Uh, there are some other guys there as well. Jonathan Adorno was a guy that, you know, the last couple of years, Carolina, you know, had as, as one of those guys that they felt confident in that they could go to if they needed him to, to be out there. Um, you know, he had his struggles at times when he was on the field, but it feels like he's a guy that is continuing to put in the work uh, and and get better with each practice. And the same thing with Caden Baker. That's another guy. He provides a lot of versatility, can play tackle, can play center. He, we saw him play there last year. I think even is getting looks at guard. So he's a guy that can play all over the offensive line. That is extremely important for Carolina. And not to mention, another guy that we heard a lot about in the middle to late portions of the spring, and a guy that I think surprised some of the staff with how quickly he was able to come in and make a little bit of an impact and open some eyes, was Trevion Green, the true freshman early enrollee. I think he's a guy that's more than worth watching. And remember, the thing that is important with him is he's a little bit more mature than even some of the true freshmen coming in. He was a guy that actually reclassed from the 2021 class into the 2022 class because he was trying to get his weight down. He went to a prep school, so it worked out very well for him. Uh, and I think that could pay off for in, in the long run for him. So, Right there, nine guys I just named off right there. Actually, ten guys that I just named off right there uh, that I think could make an impact for this Toriel team along the offensive line, and that is where Carolina wants to be at up front. Uh, so uh, that offensive line just overall, but especially those starting battles, I think are going to be the most intriguing to keep an eye on, and it'll definitely be interesting to see what those group of fives look like up front on Saturday uh, when the team takes to the field for the open practice for the fans. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I know there's a lot of you that are Braves fans. Go and bet on the Braves and their upcoming series on DraftKings Sportsbook. I know I'll be doing the same for my New York Mets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for detail. Now you move over to the defensive side of the ball. Some of the more interesting, cha- uh, some of the more interesting battles there. I think you know when you look at the defensive side of the ball, the one that should immediately pull you in is starting safeties. Both spots, you know, still I think seem to kind of be up for grabs, uh, That that's a spot that frankly just needs more consistency. And there is, you know, the unknown factor of what is going to happen with Jaquarius Conley. 
there is some thought that he might be able to be available for week one. But again, that is still up in the air at this time. So that means that other guys have to step up there. A lot of Toriel fans probably want to move on from Cameron Kelly at safety after last year, uh, especially what, with, with what happened in the final game of the regular season. But he's a guy that is more than likely going to reassume his starting role at free safety. Although there is, you know, a couple other guys that looked really good in spring practice that I think could make the staff uh, hesitate and think about things before uh, they actually make that decision to start him back there. Uh, the guy that I think is worth keeping an eye on is Dontavious Nash. He was a guy that was looked really good in spring practice. He had to step up. He was kind of forced into a role with the ones and really adjusted quickly. Mac Brown and the staff raved about him throughout uh, the entirety of spring camp, but we haven't heard anything about him here in the summer. And that's something that is a little bit concerning to me because we saw him go down with the injury in the spring game. So hopefully he is, you know, up to speed and ready to go, but we'll have to wait and see. But then you've also got, you know, the return of Giovanni Biggers. Uh, he set out for uh, the majority of the spring, actually did not play, uh, I, I don't think participated at all in the spring after being banged up late last year. So he returns to the unit. And then you've got a couple other guys that are at full strength along with uh, Cameron Kelly, including Don Chapman. So he, he's a guy that, you know, could play at, could play corner, could play safety, played both last year for this team, provides some versatility. But my belief would be that he's probably going to be back at safety this year with the added depth that Carolina is getting at the cornerback positions. It's going to be interesting because I think there are a multitude of guys that could potentially factor in here uh, before it's all said and done at safety. And Carolina needs more consistency on the back end of that defense. There's just no other way of putting it. They need better communication back there. Yes, the corners had their ups and downs a year ago. Yes, there is going to be a lot on the plate of Tony Grimes and Storm Duck to potentially bounce back along with some of the other guys. But I think that safety spot has got to be back to the way that it was you know, under Gene Chizik the first time. Maybe it didn't have the superstars, but it had guys on the back end that wouldn't get that that didn't get beat and guys that could when they needed to step up and make plays. And that's the point that you have to get to with this Tar Heel uh safety group. And we'll see if they're able to do that. Other spots that I think are worth watching, the starting jack position, that's a spot that we've heard is potentially up for grabs. I would be stunned uh, if Noah Taylor doesn't end up winning that job, he was a guy that was pretty much envisioned as a perfect fit for that role even after uh, the new staff came in there. Uh, it seemed like he was a guy that fit that role pretty well, that can occasionally rush the passer, but can also drop back into coverage if needed, can do a lot of different things. That's exactly what he did in his time at Virginia. So I feel like he's probably the guy there, although... We heard back in the spring that Chris Collins was still hanging around there, so we'll have to wait and see on that one, whether or not that's a battle that continues to carry over. And then I think the other extremely intriguing one 
uh, at the linebacker spot is the backup linebacker position, uh, the, the inside linebacker position, I should say, behind Power Eccles and Cedric Gray. It seems like Power Eccles, sure thing, he's going to be the guy that's going to start there. But what about Ra Ra Dilworth and Sebastian Cheeks? I think a lot of people thought coming into the spring that Ra Ra Dilworth was without a doubt going to be that top rotational option at linebacker. But man, Sebastian Cheeks looked really, really good in spring camp. And he finished it off uh, with arguably the best defensive performance of maybe anybody in the spring game uh, with how well he played. So I, I think there is a conversation to be had there. And I think it is going to be a battle between those two for those top rotational reps. The guy that comes in first when one of those other two starters leaves the field at one of the inside linebacker positions. As for the defensive line, a lot of stuff still in flux there. Um, I don't know how many of them are officially battles because I think it's a pretty sure thing that you're going to see Miles Murphy starting uh, at one of the defensive tackle spots. You'll have Ray Vowasik starting at the nose tackle spot. And then I think, you know, the other defensive end spot, that edge rusher spot, uh, the rush end, I think it's probably going to be Dez Evans, but there are some other guys that are certainly going to factor in. Where do you play Javari Ritzy? Is he a guy that, you know, Carolina, uh, you can find a, a certain spot for? What about Keyshawn Silver? There's so much depth here, and Mac Brown talked about it at Media Days. He wants this group to be three deep across the board, so... Uh, It'll be interesting to see if that is actually the case when this team takes the field on Saturday uh, for that practice in front of the fans. Uh, And, and, you know, even when you go over to the special teams, that's an area where Carolina has to continue to get better. It was a little bit better a year ago. I thought Grayson Atkins, as the season went along, really settled in. But he's gone now. Carolina's kicking statistics are amongst some of the worst Uh, in college football over the past handful of years. So they have to be better there. Do they get consistency? Do they have that starting kicker? Um, Right now, I think Jonathan Kim was the guy that most people assume would slide into that role. But we haven't really heard a whole lot about him performing all that well. Not like we heard from Grayson Atkins back in camp last year. So you wonder if Noah Burnett could potentially factor in there. And then you have to circle back and talk about the punter position as well because this was floated out there a couple of times and I don't think it was talked about enough. There is a battle that is supposedly going on at punter. Mack Brown referenced that twice, maybe even three times towards the end of uh, of, of spring practice in his press conferences that Ben Kiernan was getting a, a push from Cole Maynard. Uh, So I think that is going to be one thing to keep an eye on. Look, Ben Kiernan was not bad last year. He's a guy that's on the Ray Guy uh, preseason uh, award watch list. But he's a guy that I still think Carolina feels like they can get more out of. And they feel like Cole Maynard is a guy that could challenge him uh, you know, with his second year in the system. So we'll have to see whether or not that actually is a legitimate challenge. And again, Camp opens tomorrow morning, Friday morning. Team will then turn around and immediately, 10 a.m. on Saturday in Keenan Stadium, they will host an open practice 
for the fans. They do have an open practice later on on the schedule. That will be for the students when they get on campus. They'll also host one for them. So uh, a bunch of uh, opportunities for you guys to go out and check out this Tar Heel team here in the fall before they, of course, take the field. A little bit earlier than some of the other teams in college football uh, this year. They do open in Week 0, as we mentioned, against Florida A&M. And we're going to have everything that you need for that. All the lead-up. We still got the in-depth position previews that are going to be on the way. Once we get into fall camp, we are going to start rolling those out for you guys. Uh, we've released those a little bit earlier over the past couple of years, but I feel like releasing them during this time will sort of give us a little bit more time to get an understanding of where guys are at on some of these depth charts and stuff like that. Um, we'll get, of course, you know, some of the, uh, the the obvious position groups out of the way early, but uh, we'll, we'll get a, a little bit more of a feel for this team as we go throughout camp, and I think that'll give you guys an even better look at what to expect from these certain position groups as we get closer to the season. So keep an eye out for that on the website. Right now on the website, as I mentioned, you can go and check out the position battles article. Uh, you know, I kind of broke down some of the position battles that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, I give you the top five that I am keeping an eye on uh, the most here as we get into uh, the start of fall camp. And I give you predictions on each one of those. I mentioned, I, I, I gave you the prediction that I had at quarterback. The, I, I, the other four position groups that I have in that article, I give you predictions on who I think emerges at those spots. So make sure you go over and check that out. Also got an article going up about players to watch. There are some really interesting guys on this roster, some guys that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about heading into camp. Neither one of the quarterbacks are on there. Don't worry about that. That's way too obvious. I go in-depth and give you a look at, at, at some guys that I will be keeping the biggest eye on, especially if I can make it up to Chapel Hill on Saturday for that practice. So make sure you guys check that out on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. And also make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for the articles that you love so much right before the season starts. We have the breakout candidates each year where me and Josh give you five guys that we think have a chance to have a breakout season. And we also will give you our bold predictions for the season. Some of them have not worked out so well over the years, including my prediction last year that Carolina would have a top 25 defense overall. That did not quite work out the way that I was hoping, uh, but we will have more of those again this year. See how bold we get with this Tar Heel football team. All that coming up as we get closer and closer to the season. Make sure you check out the social media pages at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. That's where you can find all the content, the podcast video editions of the podcast when those eventually return, and all those articles that we just talked about. You can also find them over on the Twitter page, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Also, follow our personal pages when you're on Twitter, at HTBAnthony for me, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for Zach Hubbard. I did want to tell you right before we got out of here, one little note, we are going to be following the commitment of Braden Marshall over the weekend. That is one target that the Tar Heels have 
in the 2023 class that is committing over the weekend that we feel like you should be keeping an eye on. There are a couple other guys uh, that I think are going to be making their decisions as well that will be worth noting. Marquis Anderson is actually in that group as well. That's another one that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. So both of those two guys, we will have uh, articles on them previewing their commitments. Of course, if they do commit to Carolina, we will break down their commitments as well. So a bunch of stuff that you guys do not want to miss over on the website and on those social media feeds. And if you listen to the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast at, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. And with the subscribing, that will make sure that you guys do not miss a single episode of the podcast. So many great additions still to come even before the season starts. And then, of course, when we get in season, we will have you covered for the entirety of the 2022 regular season and even into the postseason for this Toronto football team. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank you guys for hanging out uh, with me while I was alone tonight. And as always, go Tar Heels!